Jun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome back to the Burning the Red Shirt Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Tao, and here with me again is Andrew Katz and Chris Kay. Um, you guys doing all right? Good, man. I'm about doing to try great, and promote man. the show. So. Yeah, nice. let's do this. I think I just, everything, I everything's in out. its right place in terms yeah. of timing and all that stuff. I tweeted out the YouTube link, so that's my job. Oh, I should probably retweet it from my personal account, huh? got to double up as much as we can, okay? Yeah, we need all of the following we can get. But anyway, we want to get into um, a few topics. Obviously, we had the big transfer of Jaden Daniels to LSU. That's kind of the first thing we want to hit on. Um, there's a lot of relevance here, not just like just college football landscape, like fantasy-wise. Does this change your outlook on LSU in any way? I'm going to let Andrew start with this. My I feel like Andrew's got a lot of good things to yeah. talk about with this. So I, love I mean, I'm most interested in it, right, from a fantasy perspective. The, That's I what think, I'm talking about, yeah. more so fantasy-wise. Okay, cool. Good. Then we're on the same page. It's interesting in the sense that he his skill set potentially and presumably nicely matches up with the, the new OC, right? The new OC was at Cincinnati. Uh, kind of molded the, the offense perfectly to Ritter's strengths. I think Jaden's got arm talent for days, obviously a willing runner, probably more than anything else as a result of having nothing in the way of offensive weapons that he could actually throw to last year. I mean, his running backs were his best pass catchers. So he was running all the time in that offense. And I think that if when he's signing on with LSU, he's doing so thinking that a it's going to put me in the SEC, right? So that's going to get me a spotlight, probably get my, my street cred back to where it needs to be uh, as he looks to probably be one year at the LSU program and then move on to the NFL. B, um, I think that he, when he, when he was, uh, I, when he was apparently not doing the, the dance shoot with Brian Kelly, right? But whatever sort of tactics Brian Kelly took to bring him on board, presumably that he aligned with the, the, the new OC and kind of that kind of sold them on. Hey, here's what I did for, for Ritter. This is what I can do for you. Because I mean, if he, I think a good way of looking at it can be like he's more talented than Ritter. I think in every single way. And Ritter was uh, a phenom on the fancy front. So the competition is definitely a step up. But relative to potential destinations, all of which sounded super boring, right? I mean, we were hearing like. Cal, Missouri, none of that really does anything for me. This on on surface level ha- has its challenges, SEC defenses. Uh, Brian Kelly not known for producing uh, star power star power to quarterback position, but I think it could be more interesting if Kelly doesn't, if he's not overly restrictive, overly micromanaging of his OC lets that lets that dude mold uh, the offensive game plan around Daniel strengths. It could be fun. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that for the most part. Um, I, I don't know if it really changes like my outlook a hundred percent on LSU. I think their offense is going to change. I think that was set in stone. I think he's a better, he's the better talent. I think, would you agree between him and Brennan? But I guess it's not guaranteed that he wins the job, but I would like to well, think that. Just- I mean, I don't think he trained. I would say, I think it was uh, the analytics Twitter follower or Twitter guy from CTC that said basically, like, there's no way he transfers there without being locked in as starter. You I think that makes think, a lot of sense. You would you think, think we've right? seen it before. We have, yes. I mean, in terms of decision making it would be a very average at best if he did not get that reassurance but college kids we've talked about this every single show 
geniuses. They're all idiots. <laughs> um, so I think let's just assume he's the starter. I think there's a couple things for me that uh, kind of worry me in a sense. Um, one, I you know what has that OC done to like really do anything with receivers? At Cincinnati and beyond, like Alex Pierce just ran like a crazy 40 <laughs> with like unbelievable athleticism in like his best season, like was comparable to a Michigan receiver. So like are we that ex- like are we that excited about that? And that hurts like Booty, Deion Smith, and some of those guys, like Jake Beck, and not that like a receiver three in that offense is gonna do anything, but like there's like guys that are actual real players for sure. Um and then I think too, right? Like I think Ritter's a very good comparison, except I actually think Ritter's better. I mean, you look at the numbers that Daniels has put up, and I know I don't have like the extreme advanced analytics to put behind it, but like if you look at his more basic stats, his more like typical stats, they're pretty average. Like they were like a dominant run team with incredible talent running. And he couldn't produce through the air. Like he was a 60% passer with like, I think it was 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Like, look at you. Look at, we're evolving yeah, you're the loving game right this. here. That you're was, love, that we was talked about that. this and you're just crushing it. Good for you. What, like, I think he has the talent, generally speaking. Am I that like jacked up about his fantasy potential with LSU? Not really. Like he had an awesome, like awesome contextual run game that should have helped him with passing to be at the very least super efficient. And I'm gonna say something real crazy. I'm wearing a Michigan shirt, so it, it's gotta happen. Yes, do it. But I if you look at Cade McNamara's stats, they're probably the same, if not better, than Jaden Daniels. If Jay, if Caden McNamara was transferring to LSU, would we be jacked up about it? No, we wouldn't. So, I think it's interesting. Look at you, you're all over it, man. Incredible. <laughs> uh, they're actually better. But go they're on. They're actually better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, I think it's a great move because, like, the upside is definitely there. I think if, if we're going to play this weird game of like, well if we're going to be excited about Jaden Daniels in this offense with this OC, then we should probably be pretty down on booty and Deion Smith and their receiving group because you can't have it both ways. This is that whole, like, well, the coaching staff does this and that and the other, and I'm totally cool with respecting it, but like you can't be say one thing is going to happen. And then also the other is going to happen when you're citing a uh, assistant coach that, is done the opposite. Your arguments come around to the point where we're now on the same page. I mean, I'm not, I'm not pumping up booty as a result of no, 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 thinking no, that 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 Daniels is going to be that. I, so, I I took Daniels in one of the best balls. I leaned into variance and took him while he was still in the portal. I think in like the 19th round, hoping that or kind kind of figuring he's going to get a job. It probably can't be worse than last year. Um, it could be amazing. But worst case scenario, I feel like I kind of come out even. If where would you take him now in the drafts that we've been doing? Probably late teens. I probably would yeah. take him before like a Jerkovich, um, who is like I feel like is in that late teens, early twenties. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird because there's so much talent, and he is a great runner, right? Like you look at his rushing stats. He's getting five to six points a game rushing, which is awesome. And LSU's offense should be good. They should score a lot of points. If you don't play devil's advocate, you say, well, who has Arizona State's receivers been? They're just a bunch of super athletic guys at best, right? Like, so you throw them with a guy like, a you know, some Booty, some Deion Smith, some Beck, like I've said, like, you're looking at an offense that should be better. So yeah. to play devil's advocate, I can see why you might be a little bit leaning more than the, the norm for him, but I don't know. I mean, I would have liked, there's not a lot of options right now, right? Like where could he have gone if it wasn't yeah. LSU? There's not a, this late in the game, where could he have gone? 
this feels like a good option. What's Miles Brennan going to do? Yeah, or, it's fine. That'll be an interesting. Brennan's going to be an interesting thing too. Does he just sit the year and wait, or does he move this on? His, what does he do? This is his sixth year. <laughs> well, there's always a seventh. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I still like. I, obviously, I think Daniels wins the job. You don't go there without a like yeah. without it leaning in your favor. But is it not possible he doesn't win it? There's, it's possible for sure that he loses the job. Is it likely? I don't think so. I would say it's 85% shot he wins it, right? Like, you can't go there without thinking you're not, like, without being kind of given that unofficial wink, wink, you're winning that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but I was just kind of playing the other I, side. Well, the other side would be college kids are idiots, <laughs> which we've talked yeah. about. Like they didn't even know he was coming. He just showed up. The Baker move. <laughs> Heck, his team at Arizona State didn't even know he was leaving. Yeah. So, so you know. That's it's good. Was- it's a great, you know, early March topic. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate him doing that on a Sunday yeah, night sure. before we're going to podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll move on to another um, transfer kind of hit the news today. Um, Corey Rucker from Arkansas State hit the portal today. Um, where, kind of where do you go? As a wide receiver, it's a little easier because you can kind of just slide right into a lineup and uh, make some plays. But realistically, where do you think he ends up? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, where would you I mean, like? Where would you like him to end up? I don't even know. The options so, are endless. My first uh, question is, is he any good? <laughs> and I mean that genuinely. Like, he, he is a – he could potentially be a niche receiver at an offense that's awesome, like scheme-wise. So my question is, is he actually any good? I don't know. Well uh... – According to this, he's a freshman, so he's got some room to grow, right? Like, even if you think he's just average, I feel like going to the right place, getting the right exposure, getting the right um, coaching. No, he, he's not still a freshman. I, I mean, he I was worked. a. I think he was a redshirt freshman. Marquise okay. would know. Marquise was on him last year from the jump, and I yeah, think he's he was a. Boy. I think he was a second year guy. After last year, okay, so he's got five so I years. I think he's more. a third-year guy right now. Like going into this season, he's a third-year guy. Okay. Um. So the in terms of destinations, though, the the CFF site uh, Discord is bumping with conspiracies. So he's from ooh. Mississippi, right? So Mississippi ooh. schools, if he wants to transfer up, and then let's say he says, "I'm done with Arkansas. I don't want to go back home. Why don't I just go follow my coat, my old coach, over to Logan, Utah? Go to Utah State." And get the priority on, on those one, yeah. uh, on those other transfers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be fun. Like in terms of like, I don't know. I, I drafted him in like one or two spots last year, but I I, I feel like I'm never going to be the high man on him relative to a lot of other people that we draft with. It seems like he does he does cool stuff. He has some huge games every now and then. If he stayed at Arkansas State, I'd never I never would draft him. I'm to, I'm totally out on that team as a, being an absolute dumpster fire. Like year two, any residue of the goodness of like Anderson wears off in uh, the Butch Jones uh, transition this year. Like I'm out. Um, but yeah, I, if he went to Utah State, okay, I think that would be cool. That would be kind of exciting. If he transfers up, there I feel like that has risk, even in a good system, right? He's probably com- competing against other kids who are maybe don't have his experience at the from a collegiate production perspective, but they're more talented uh, or at least more stars, right? So I, don't know. I probably want to pay the I want to pay the iron price. Yeah, yeah. That I think the issue you run into is that like take a take an Ole Miss receiver three or uh, Mississippi state receiver three, you throw him in Arkansas state last year. Does he do the same thing as Corey Rucker? Like, and that's, I mean, Corey Rucker could be a superstar. Yeah. It'd be awesome. We just, you know, we're just a year earlier, a year later, whatever you want to say 
Mm-hmm. That's my fa- that's my favorite game to play with tra- with draft prospects. Like the the one that I kept hit, like that hit home with me last year was like, well, what would happen if you dropped Justin Fields in at BYU? And it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like every bo- every bone in my body told me I not to be in on Zach Wilson, and then that kind of like sealed the deal. Yeah, I mean the thing is right. Like we what do we preach every single offseason is follow the OC. Follow, like, the dominant offense. Follow the system. So, right. like, I mean, how many times are we running into players that are just so average at best that are great fantasy options? Like, Letty Brown was awesome at West Virginia. And, yeah. like, before he was good, he was a very bad running back. And then he <laughs> then he was all of a sudden became a very good running back. He didn't just run, like, three-tenths of a second back when it was 40. It was, like, coaching and opportunity. And I'm not saying Rucker falls into that, but I, I'm with you, Andrew. I'm not going to be on a guy like this because my I'm going to just play the – I'm going to doubt it, and I'm not going to just jump in on this when you could take a – you know, what does is, what is Jacor Pearson do in that offense last year? Mm-hmm. And what did he do at Ole Miss? Like, Man, I love that guy. I want him we to be all good do. so bad. I know. I was so jacked up when he went to Ole Miss. I was yeah. like, how did I just like He went from West – oh, my God. I just fell into the perfect example. He was at Western Kentucky. It was awesome, was he not? Yeah. He Dude, wasn't like going superstar, into last year, he had he the was most awesome. catches in like – I think he going into last year, he had the most catches of returning production across, across your collegiate career go, like going into last year. Yeah, so he was awesome. And then he went to Ole Miss. What did he do last year, Is that? You got the screen sharing. Let's go. Come on. <sighs> I'm just Hold kidding. On. He was he was non-existent, and I'm not saying that's Rucker, but I am. You're so quick on it. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> I I am just weary. I'm not paying high-end capital to get Rucker like people are going to, and especially if he goes to somewhere that's cool, right? So yeah. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong because, like, obviously. Generally, I want everybody to be amazing and awesome because that makes college fantasy football better. But like, this feels like a situation where you guys can have it. I'll just sit back and not have any exposure to that. Yeah, I, I think it's really going to determine, like, be determined by where he goes. Um, I would like to think he's going to go somewhere where he's going to be utilized more than he was at Arkansas State, which is hard to say because he was their leading receiver, but. If you go to a place where he's going to get 90, 90 balls thrown his way, like 90 to 100 balls, like that's something that would be really intriguing fantasy-wise. What do you think his end game is? I think his end game determines where he goes. Oh, is would... he just trying to follow a coach, or is he trying to, to like go to the NFL? Because if he's if it's one, I think it's Utah State. Oh, I or think like every scheme type thing NFL, that's right. Like that's the right. end game. But Everybody. some. Right, right, right. But I think some guys are like, I'm. I go to the portal because I'm following a coach or yeah. a system. Um, and I, whereas I think the Ole Miss Mississippi State ties, based on like location of where he's from, that Andrew was saying, yeah, is a different fit, but also very intriguing. Yeah, that's. Uh... Did you have a Did you have a school in mind when you asked that question yourself, or what What did you think? Oh, for me, no. I don't have a school in mind. I was. It's so fresh. It was like an hour ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, just, it's just impossible for us to to like. We don't know if it's push versus pull, right? Is he getting pulled in, pulled yeah. into the portal by just by texts that he's exchanging with other coaches from other schools, or is he get pushing himself into the portal because hey, let's test the waters. Let's see what's good. It sucked being at Arkansas State. They can't even decide on a quarterback. Every single year, right? And now my cool, my cool pass happy offense is gone, and get, things kind of went started to go downhill even more down. Yeah, downhill last year, and I mean, I don't know. I don't really see much optimism in Jonesboro personally. Oh no, um, I, Ole Miss sounds cool, right? Like that would be. I think both of them sound awesome. Yeah, Ole Mississippi State sounds great too, um, but I, I don't know. Utah State. I don't hope he does go to Utah State because that's oh, Boise's got to play him. So I'd rather him not go there. 
But fantasy wise, like I think that'd be okay. Um, San Jose State would be kind of cool, but they're kind of loaded at receiver. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're good there. So, question: yeah. Who's got the better receiving group? San Jose State, mm. SMU, or Alabama? <laughs> I mean, San Jose State's only got two dudes. They're just they're like my my boys. So <laughs> I can't rank them too high, right? I, SMU or Alabama, though, you got to go with SMU, right? I mean, they go six deep, no problem. It's really, Mike keeps drafting that guy, Roderick Daniels. I don't know how you get that guy above seventh on your board when you go, I guess, maybe six, because they have, they have Rasheed, they have Moore, they have Corrales, they have the guys that should actually be the starters, Curly and, and Goffney, who are probably going to be benched, right? Because they're not, they didn't transfer in. I with forgot about. Early. And then uh, I guess I feel like I'm forgetting someone, but maybe not. I and forgot then, Bo Corrales was like went there. Yeah, I'm not. I don't trust that man. That guy like had a random injury and was gone for like two years. Yeah, so, but the reason we I don't know how much I can trust why we that. can't trust him to be irrelevant. So, but they keep, that's a like great that's a great group. Yeah, it's awesome. But, yeah, I'd say SMU if you're asking me. SMU, San Jose State, Bama. I'm glad that we could put that. Yeah, around. we're all aligned. All right, cool. Um, now, well, what if what if Addison went to Bama? It changes, right? I think you go. I think Bama goes number one, just top end talent. Addison's one of the best three receivers. I think you just recognize the high end talent. You just go there. We, in our in our best balls, have you noticed that I think four Bama receivers generally go in like the top. 10 to 12 to like 15 rounds at the latest, right? It's Burton, it's Brooks early and Hall. Hall doesn't always go that high, but he does a decent amount of the time. That feels Mm -hmm. insane to me. I just don't buy early. Yeah. I just think he is so likely to just be Slade Bolden that in a situation where there's so many questions, I'd rather just avoid and it's crazy because we've talked about how Bryce Young is going to make his money only passing, and he will make his money mm-hmm. doing that. You would think there would be like, well, you have to consider two to three guys, and I think Burton is the guy for sure. And then Brooks, Jacory Brooks was awesome, like in that limited action where he became more, you know, re- more relevant due to injury. Yeah. I just have a hard time saying it's early. I just I don't know, I, and I'm not impressed with Ajayi Hall or whatever. Like, I just don't know. I I was I was happy for Hall that he got on the field in the Natty and made a couple catches, even though he had like like he got he got ripped apart for I think a a big drop and then like maybe running a bad route or something. But the dude clearly struggled through a lot of stuff on and off the field his freshman year, right? And I don't know. It was nice to see him actually get on the field and make a couple plays in the Natty. In a losing effort, of course. I mean, we're all we're all bulldogs, but uh, I know I, you guys probably. I, I, I root, I'm rooting for him, even though I probably won't be draft. I won't be drafting him at all at the at like top fifteen round equity, but for sure. Now you guys probably didn't listen to the CFP Dynasty podcast. I was on no. the other. I didn't think so. So um, we talked about um, Alabama receivers and like. You remember Saban coming out basically and saying that he had called these receivers out. They didn't take advantage of the the opportunity they were given, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it was kind of a, like a shot at him, but it was also at the same time, he knows what he's doing and he's going to get the best out of the guys he's got. I'm, I'm more convinced now that they don't get the portal again and they, they already have the two or three guys that are going to step in this year. I know we've yeah. talked about who's going to who's going to be the 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 mechie to Burton, to you know, Williams and everything, but like I think it's I think it's somebody that we already have seen on their roster that's going to be um playing a more prominent role. I I'm going to lean Brooks. Yeah. Brooks looks so, really sweet. Like he, yeah. he he saved their season against Auburn and then continued to show out into a, like big game against the Uga in the SEC Championship, right? Couple mm-hmm. of nice plays against Cincy. I feel like he didn't do much in the Natty, but I mean, it's. He, I think he had like a. I think it was like three for forty in a touchdown yeah. max. Maybe not the touchdown. He didn't really exactly. do much at all. 
I mean, let's, yeah. he had the one big catch to save their season, like you said, but he only had two catches in the whole game. Well, he didn't get he didn't get on the field until Jameson went out, right? He had 15 catches, and they were all in the last six games. Well, we, I think we've seen enough. He, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking so him. I'm here's just, here's just, my question, or here's my point or thought. Years ago, before all these superstar Waddle, Judy, you know, types, rugs, all those guys, it used to be one extremely dominant Alabama receiver for 50% of everything. Targets, touchdowns, yards, um, and everybody else was like a 20 catches max. Isn't it possible that we see that this year and they hammer the run a little bit with Gibbs? Not to mention he's also great in the passing game. So is there not a world where we see Burton or Brooks, let's just say one of the two becomes this superstar, you know, 50 percent you know 43 percent of target share and all that type of stuff and everybody else is just kind of whatever gets a gets a mix of three catches a game yeah that was definitely something i brought up too is like what what keeps them from just saying we're going to run the ball now i mean i mean gibbs is awesome so i'm saying they've got the talent like why they could decide tomorrow that you know what we're going to go back to just running the ball and having the one big receiver over the top. Like, that's – Yeah, and the other thing with that is that, like, think about the quarterbacks they had, too. They weren't, like, obviously as good as Bryce Young, but they were not runners. It wasn't like it was Jalen Hurts' offenses that pres- produced this. They were, like, real quarterbacks that, like, just – they just decided, well, we're going to throw it to one guy and then, you know, mix in a little bit of everything else. I don't think it's the most likely opportunity, like, outcome, but I think that it's very possible – Yeah, it's fair. I, um, I think the mo- the most likely outcome is Burton and Brooks dominate target share amongst the receivers. the the only The only thing I'm really scared about that as like something that I'm trying trying to that I'm not necessarily considering as being ultra likely, but I feel like it could blow up in my face. Is like, what if Earl absolutely pops? Like, I I like he gets Waddle comps right. Like that's the that's the way people talk about him, and then he got he like he got on the field super early, got banged up last year, and like that's why he's getting drafted so early because the way people talk about him and think about him, and can, even though it didn't manifest last year, outside of like I think one big game early in the year against uh, some dud school, um, it's the possibility is there that he just lights lights that sheets on fire right and goes nuclear. No. It's yeah. possible. That's just, I mean, I would probably say that's probably more likely than a one-man show type. Yeah. That early kind of becomes the guy or at least the receiver too, but. Yeah. Sorry yeah, we here. definitely steered that to Alabama receivers somehow, but that's what we do. I think um, that's my fault because I made that half-hearted joke about San Jose State receivers. Oh, it was, it all was of me. It I circles threw back. The there that if Addison went, what would. That was me. <laughs> it was me. Um, we're just going to will that into existence. Yeah. So we're going to move to the topic that we kind of want to talk about, about the NCAA proposing rule changes for college football. Um, most of them I don't think we really agree with. Um, is there any particular rule, Andrew? I know you were the one who kind of brought it up earlier this week or last few days, like, was there one in particular that you wanted to kind of go over? Yeah, I, I mean, I, this would be this would be so much better for everyone who's a part of our viewership, all, all four or five of the people. If I actually spent the time to like intelligibly gather my thoughts and put pen to paper, or at least bullet some stuff out, but in true burning the red shirt fashion, it did not occur. But the the, the whole idea of changing the rules to run clock on incompletions bothers me like at my core i think it's just like it's it it bothers me for lots of reasons first of all the only people like the only material segment uh, segments of the population that are calling for this are the are journalists who want to go to bed early and it's and it's people who have monetary gains to be made from the 
ability to spin the story that by shortening games, we are making play safer. And if we are making play safer and we're playing less games, less time on the field, we can then make an argument that play has been made safer. So we can now expand the playoff because we're not making these players play 18, 19 games from an historical perspective of how long the game has historically been played. We've shortened the game. So the additional games isn't as consequential. And it disgusts me because you're compromising the quality of the product on the field mm -hmm. that people that actually watch the game and enjoy the game are going to now are going to be a part of. You're making it a worse experience. And it's all just to line pockets, of course. I mean, it's it's not it's like it's so easily seen through. Like I it's just it's it's disgusting. Um I think that the reason that it didn't pass this year is because the uh, the, the expanded playoff got voted down and it will pass when the next time that comes up and there will be enough, like, I don't know. It's, I don't, I haven't read enough about like what bar, what bodies, what people in, are in which rooms and decide which things. But I assume when the playoff was voted down to expand, like that kind of killed that because there's no need for that, right? There's no tit for tat anymore. Um, but the next time that comes up, I bet we'll, we'll kind of see that, uh, get, see that rule change push through. And then we'll see the playoff uh, kind of expanded or be the justification for expanded playoff. We'll be able to check off, hey, the game has been made safer. The, the, the games have been made shorter. And now like we, let's, we've paved the way for expanding the playoff for adding a couple more games, which is just – it's gross. It's disgusting. Like the, the with base with baseball, like the so the arguments are kind of similar in some ways, right? Yeah. In the sense that for baseball, it's like okay, let's shorten the game because it's not like a great exp viewer experience, which is just total garbage for for college football. The reason college football games are longer is because everyone's scoring, and that's fun. It's fun to watch that. It's fun yeah. to watch guys throw all over the place. Baseball is has gotten more boring over time as the games have gone longer because pitching changes around the clock these guys the i get the, like the idea of like how um the counts are being worked longer and stuff like that i don't buy into all of the the, the narrative surrounding baseball games being more enjoy less enjoyable than they used to be but i totally i totally get it and i think in a lot of ways like some rule changes there are done with the actual interest or being discussed in the interest of actually making the games more enjoyable here it's just a money grab yeah, there's that's a great point. I wanted to bring up baseball because I think there's a huge difference between what these new rules are like proposed rules are trying to do or like what they think they're trying to do. So with baseball, the problem with baseball is there's so many like minutes wasted on a pitcher off the mound or a batter just walking around doing his Velcro on his gloves. Nobody wants to see that. I played baseball. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, there's nothing fun about that. What college football is doing, if they were to, to put this new rule in place, is not get rid of dead time. They're getting rid of actual action. <laughs> so there's they're not accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish. Like, it's not that the game is too long because nobody and nobody wants to sit around for three and a half hours or three hours. It's that nobody wants to watch just dead time. Right. Yeah. And that's the same thing with baseball. I think anybody that said, says, give me something exciting. I'll watch it for 10 hours. Right. Like no one's saying no to a seven overtime game unless it's Illinois with the two point conversions and nobody wants that. Right. right but right. if you give me a seven overtime game, like I'm watching every second of that because there's so much action. But when you start taking away the action and you're saving time, by reducing plays, it helps nobody. Baseball is, they're doing so much wrong. So yeah. much wrong. And that's not the point of our podcast. We're not getting right. into that. But they need to be focusing on rules that limit this in-between dead time. And there's been a lot of cool like studies and stuff that have shown how much time you can save. Man, making a game go from 315 to 245 in baseball would be awesome getting rid of this stuff. Um, but they, the interesting thing is with the shifts, getting rid of shifts in baseball is there's so much negative reaction to it. And I get it, but I actually don't immediately hate it because it's promoting action. It's promoting, promoting scoring and offense, which is what people want to see. Nobody likes a one zero game in baseball until 
it's like a no hitter in the eighth, right? Or like, a play, playoff game, I'm fine with. Or a playoff game, right? So like that stuff's fun at the end. It's not fun in the second, third, fourth inning. Yeah. So to circle it all back, it makes absolutely no sense to just be like, you know, what an incomplete pass means the ball gets reclocked and started again at a certain point. That makes no sense. You're reducing plays, which nobody wants. Everybody loved Oregon because they played a hundred plays or whatever. And it was awesome, but now they're going to get rid of that. And nobody wants that. They just, we want a better, tighter game in terms of timing, but that's not the way to do it. Well, isn't the most logical thing to stop, not stop clocks on first downs like the NFL does like that prolongs the game, right? Like, I mean, that's a simple adjustment that can be made, but I think kind of goes back to Andrew's point lining somebody's pockets. What about these 15 TV timeouts for these nationally televised games? Oh, man. I used to curse out that red hat man at the Auburn games all the time. <laughs> yeah. And they make no sense. Sometimes it's three and a half minutes, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, the TV timeout. Like, that's just for their sponsors to get their airtime so they yeah. can get paid. Like, we I, we all know what that means. But, like, if you were truly about making the game or speeding up the game, you would limit that. Because you've got so much dead time, like you were talking about, just in TV timeouts. Like, if even like an, an NBA game, you ever go to like a nationally televised NBA game? Like, there's the guy on the court that's got the, you know, the, you know, he's the TV timeout guy. And basketball's got all these timeouts anyway. So then they throw an extra like three TV timeouts in there. And it just, it just gets to the point where the game just drags on and on. I know we're not, it's not a basketball podcast, but it, it all kind of ties in together. Like the, the general road, concept. Yeah. Like in, in college football, you want to speed the game up. Like that's not the way to do it. Like, like the incomplete passes. No, I don't like it. Yeah. And I'll like say it. this too, right? Like people talk about declining attendance for college football games. There's <laughs> every reason in the world for me to not want to go to a college football game. I got fantasy lineups. I'm trying to build. <laughs> I love watching a hundred games at once. So when I go to these games and I got this red hat guy ruining my life by sitting, I swear some of these times it feels like forever and it feels like every other play I'm just getting stopped. So just limit it or shorten it and your in stadium experience will also then be better. Yeah, that, but I think it's also, there's a lot of things I think that play into that, like cost, of going to a game versus watching. Oh yeah, it. that's a that's a much deeper conversation. Oh, for right, sure. I'm just saying, like, it is. I won't I won't go deep into this one, but like, you're not wrong. That what I just said does not solve the no. attendance issue well, by any means. I was sure. I had this discussion not that long ago with somebody. I said, why would I want to go to a game, like a game that doesn't mean much to me? It just I'd just be going for fun, I guess. But like, I can watch the game on my TV on my couch. In high def 4K, better views, better replays than I would have in the stadium. Yeah, gospel is an atmosphere; it's an experience. So, like you're you're paying for the tailgate and the experience. So, unless you're just so invested in the team, you cannot be an innocent bystander that loves college football that will just go to a random college football game because there's just too much other stuff going on that is appreciated and loved. Yeah. To then just be like, yeah, I'll go to this, I'll go to this random game instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, another rule that I saw that I thought was interesting is the targeting, the second half targeting calls. Did you happen to read this? Yeah, they, I saw. Okay, I did so, not. Someone hit me with that. So basically, I'll I'll read it. it. Says if a team believes a targeting call was erroneous, its conference would be allowed to submit a request. Um, to Steve Shaw, the NCAA's national coordinator of officials for review. If it's obvious the player was incorrectly penalized, the call would be overturned and the player would be cleared for the first half of the next game. That's great, except he shouldn't have been thrown out in the first place. So he's getting thrown out. He just doesn't miss the first half. Of that Which game. I think is a joke anyway, but that's that's a whole other discussion. Like I, I feel like, I don't know if we've had this discussion before, but... I, I equate it to like the either the NBA's flagrant one, flagrant two type uh, situation. Kinda, yeah. 
or a soccer's yellow card, red card situation. Like when you when you have a, a foul that is egregious, where you know he's headhunting, he's trying to kill the guy, right? Like, okay, toss him, toss him. But if it was a bang bang play, and yeah, he got him a little high, but it wasn't like he was going to like for the kill shot. It just kind of happened, and you can see that in review. Just say, look, don't do it again, or you're gone. No, it's the it's the jacked up segment. We got to bring it back. <laughs> Isn't that great that we had the jacked up segment? It's amazing, dude. Not that and long. And it was ago, loved, right? and everybody was like, "You can't miss it." And now yeah. all of a sudden, it's like yeah. complete faux pas. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I feel <laughs> unless like, you're on BTR, you know. I feel yeah. like people like tossing these kids. My biggest argument for like targeting or against targeting, I should say, is they don't toss the guys in the NFL for these hits. So why are we tossing college kids for these hits? That's what I don't understand. Well, they're trying to, I mean, it's not healthy whether you do it at any. I, so I, get I, that. Think they're, I think what they're trying to do is try to limit it. Hey, if we put in better um, standards and promote better, I'm not, I'm not, look, I get the targeting penalty. I love the targeting penalty for the most part, but I think that I'm with everybody else here that like some of it's just ridiculous that you can get thrown out of a game like for it's, something it's, that's like if football is a sport of literal inches in milliseconds mm-hmm. and guys are tackling guys reactionary. Right. And they're getting thrown out for it. And then there's guys that are just straight head hunting, just going for the kill and it's that's, the same penalty, and it makes no sense. Review. Like, when you watch a replay, you see the guy, he's just like, a, he's not even looking for that ball. He's going straight at the guy's head. Like, that's yeah. a clear, obvious targeting. But when a well, guy comes across the middle and the defender's going to the ball, and he happens to, like, run in, collide into the guy in the head, like, then they're going to toss him. The, the problem, with, the problem with this rule that you said is, you said one word that stood out obvious there's never going to be a consensus obvious it is going to be just with everything it's going to be like everything else oh this seems so um, this seems so obvious that it's this and it's not oh this replay shows this oh no this is what they call instead so i think the rule that rules idiotic there's no way they're going to give a fair way to do that i feel like andrew's holding back on us with some really good. I mean, my my only take is here. now like Saban and Alabama can bribe the the officiating post game and like get their <laughs> player back with and get that overturned. But I don't know. I've I, I've never felt that strongly about. It. It's just it's not something that I'm gonna get that wound up on because. Yeah. I mean, it sucks when a player on your team gets thrown out or like a fan like if a fancy relevant player that you have gets thrown out but outside of that like i'm at the point in my life where i just don't care about things outside of those two spheres right like if it doesn't affect georgia and it doesn't affect my fancy teams it's not that it's just not that interesting to me you know what? um so breaking news we're going to idp this year so it will affect <laughs> your team moving forward what's, what's crazy is i was at the auburn alabama game where jameson williams got kicked out for targeting and i was like yeah. holy shit what yeah like who was that and then it right. was like, oh my god, like this is incredible. So basically, what Andrew is saying is that like Kirby Smart's not an idiot; it doesn't throw James Cook on the punt team, dude. That so we don't have to worry about it. That is like one of my favorite things to rant incessantly about. I don't understand what across the board all these top coaches put their best receivers as gunners. Like Olave, Olave is known as an amazing gunner for Ohio State. DK Metcalf's college career ended because he got a neck injury as a gunner like what what are the i don't understand like you have 80 some odd scholarships you can't find someone else to, to run i think you, the, you gotta blame frank beamer for that i think what you gotta mean? circle is that, all that because frank beamer was the special teams guy that said he was essentially the first guy that said i'm putting my best athletes and players on special teams that's why he consistently like led the country and all this time paint um, uh, period in the span of time 
with punt blocks and field goal blocks and stuff like that. You look at all in that he wasn't well, first of all, Virginia Tech never had like they had some amazing receivers for sure, but like gunners were like defensive backs, like uh, you know, your stud corners that all they had D'Angelo Hall and all those guys, right? Um, but yeah, it makes no sense. Why would you you're you're Georgia, you're recruiting. I mean, didn't Zamir uh Zamir White tear an ACL on a punt team or something? Was it what running back tore an ACL on a punt team one offseason? I forget, dude. It's it, it all the times. It's just it's it insane. was like it's just cost, it's just cost benefit analysis. Like Andrew says, Andrew says recruit some other peasants to go out there and do that, do that. <laughs> Grunt Take your work. four stars and make them do it. You'll yeah. your five stars there. Yeah. Yeah. Do the grunt work of special teams. Yeah. So, um, is there any other rule change that you thought that was? I don't. I don't really get why there wasn't alignment on the the fake injuries stuff. Like the the mm. the, the proposal of just. Or I don't know if it actually got brought to the, the table of the suits discussing it, but the the idea that okay, if you're you go down with an injury, you can't come back into the next drive, doesn't that solve so many problems? E- yeah. Even if it doesn't address every single, uh, like cross every T, dot every I, like I feel like that sol- gets us at least eighty percent of the way there. Like why yeah, is that controversial? Are... Why is that not the easiest thing to implement? Who are your fall guys? What's up? You know, who were your fall guys? Who, you know, what was that receiver's name? Chris Carter, right? You mm-hmm. got to have a fall guy. Every time I see these issues with like fake injuries, it's with like a, it's like a defensive tackle, yeah. a nickel corner. Like I get it. And I think that's better than what there's currently in place in terms of you have to sit out the drive. But like you, they, they're picking these fall guys out on purpose. Like okay. you're not picking your, you know, your JJ Watt on defensive end, you know, edge rusher to be the fall guy for a play. Right. So I don't know. I think it, the problem with the fake injury stuff is it's gotta be so hard to determine one versus the other. So it comes back to your clear and obvious thing. Like how do you prove that? Oh, he's not really hurt versus he's got a cramp. Like, how do you tell him? How do you tell him he doesn't have a cramp? I think it's just just like there's, you're we you know. try and actually think too hard about that. You're just going to stress yourself out. Yeah, we there's know. No, there's no amazing. The answer. guys looking at the bench and they're like, "Get down, get down, get out!" And then he just drops. The like, obvious ones are incredibly obvious. Oh, they're it's great, so comical. Yeah. Then like you get your shot. ones that that yeah. that seem fake but are probably legitimate. And then it's that's when you get in this weird spot. I don't know if there's just. I just don't think there's ever a way to really do it right. I'd like to go so, on record that Tennessee was the team that was doing all the fake injuries in the Tennessee Ole Miss game, and and Lane Kiffin reason, was Ole the Miss one that was mad about it, wasn't that? it? Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. That game gets spun. That game gets spun so much by the the people that wrote history, and I don't even understand why they get the chance to wrote got the chance to write history about that game because Ole Miss won, but it was in is in Nayland. It was like the most amazing atmosphere ever, right? And I guess because it was in Tennessee, they got the they got to craft the narrative that Ole Miss players were the ones falling down, which they were. But like, dude, so many Tennessee. The reason that game was five and a half hours is because pe- pe- people on both teams were dropping left and right. Like, and I, I would like to think that it was more Tennessee. What do you think about this? Let's say you have a fake injury, whatever. You either have to call a timeout. If you don't have any timeouts, you play the next play with 10 guys. Oh, dude, that it popped in my head like a, a minute ago, but there's like no power, way you'll be able to do that. Power play scenario. <laughs> it's you. That comes down to the whole like, well, are you really going to penalize a team for actually getting hurt? Yeah, that's the, that's the flip side. Like, if he is hurt, then... You know, then I, you, then you're becoming then what could what you're promoting is like guys playing hurt, yeah. which promotes worse yep. injuries. Now, I think it's an amazing idea, right? Conceptually, <laughs> but putting that in place is a little game. difficult. Yeah, I feel like if and I I think this in soccer, like I'm a big soccer fan, but like I think like if you get carried off the field, you're done. Like you're not coming back on. If yeah. we had to. Pressure you off the field, you're done. I don't care if you miraculously get the magic spray and you come back on the field. No, you're done. 
um, in this scenario, if they have to stop the game for you to get carried off, you're done. Your injury must be bad enough for you to be – you couldn't even walk off the field. Like, I don't know. There's not a right answer. There's not a right answer because, like you said, like you don't want people playing hurt. You want to make the game safer. That was the whole point of speeding the game up, supposedly, right? Like they want to prevent the hits and whatnot. But yeah. um, all right. So I think that's about it for the rule changes. Um, I got there... something. I, I I was gonna I was gonna yeah. surprise you guys with a player oh, yeah, yeah. to ask about. Yes. Yeah. So um, there's a team that was near and dear to my heart when I worked at the College Football Hall of Fame because. The school name was ridiculous. The logo was cool, and their helmet was pretty visible on the helmet wall. If you've ever been to the College Football Hall of Fame, it's literally a giant wall of helmets for every single college football team. Um, FBS, FCS, D2, D3, NAIA, EN. It was Incarnate Word. I loved talking mm. about Incarnate Word because of the school. The logo was cool. So I ask you... Because this player is like this huge name all of a sudden. He's getting, he's transferred somewhere very relevant in a great spot near and dear to, to Andrew's heart. Um, Cameron Ward. What, how do we feel about him? Is he overhyped? Is he underhyped? I'm very curious because I don't have a lot of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know personally. The name Incarnate Ward scares me. <laughs> It just sounds terrifying. Like it sounds like I. It's got some like carnage vibes to it, right? Like the Spider-Man villain. Who's my favorite? Who's my favorite villain in like any of those things? But like it's still it's it's kind of a scary name, I think. Um, so I've always like shied away from looking too deeply into what they're doing over there. Uh, but I, I I think I grabbed Ward in the fifth or sixth round. Uh, and I mean, you can draw, you can connect the dots. You could draw the narrative so easily. His, uh, his head coach, who ran a very effective air raid offense, is now the OC at Washington State, uh, and he tore it up at at Incarnate Ward this past year, right? Like forty five hundred yards in twelve games, not much on the ground, tons of touchdowns. So, and they're so they're. He's proved that he can do it in the system. He's proved it that he's got a great bond, great vibes with this OC. So, I mean, I, we just saw something of the same. Mm, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, I mean, it's the obvious conjecture, right? Just to kind of draw, <laughs> say, hey, this is the next WKU. Um, the problem with that is what conference is WKU in? Conference you set. The worst conference in college right, right. So my that was going to be my point was like, do we, in many years, we have worried about guys transferring in from small schools to big schools that are in real conferences and they've done nothing. And so I'm curious, like, is it the Western Kentucky effect where you get the offensive coordinator with the quarterback and people just say it's going to work because of that? Yeah, he'd be going much later if it weren't for if it weren't for Western Kentucky doing this. But isn't if if we take away the offensive coordinator, like Washington State's offense has to be very similar to like what he was already doing in a sense, right? Like it's a pass friendly offense, isn't that in in itself enough to be like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I mean, me and you can think this way, right? Like run, shoot, air raid, same thing. Like it's just throwing the football around, right? I assume there's like lots of different nuances and stuff like that that make the offenses very different. But I mean, you can make like, yeah, that's it's the kind of conjecture that you hear on burning the red shirt, and for good reason. You're just slinging it around in the backyard. Um, yeah. Well, the name that popped up in my head was Vernon Adams at Oregon when yeah. he went from Eastern Washington to Oregon. We all yeah. thought, man, he's going to be just phenomenal because of his um, time at Eastern Washington. He was good, but it wasn't like. Do you yeah. remember what happened after Vernon Adams at Oregon? You mean Herbert? Because no, because this is the 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 cautionary tale, right? So Vernon Adams, he, I I would say overall it was like a positive experience for people yeah. like, for fantasy for fantasy owners and for Vernon in general. Like, dude, how 
as as fun as that Alamo Bowl, Bowl game was, where Bram Cole, whatever his name is, the TCU guy, like leads them back after. But Vernon, the reason that happens is Vernon gets concussed. Someone else gets concussed too. I think like they lose the center and Vern on the same play. They're up when they're up like twenty eight points at halftime, and then uh, TCU comes back and it's an, like an amazing story. But the following year, everyone Dakota Prukup transfers to. Oregon from I think from a Dakota right and it was like oh here we go wheels up same deal like Vern just had success Dakota was good at FCS he's like you're hearing all these things about his skill set he could run he could throw it's going to be just mm-hmm. plug and plug and play and the dude gets pulled for Herbert like week four right and everyone like he was he went pretty high in drafts like if, yeah yeah hey so, Montana State Montana State I just looked it up real quick all right nice a Dakota. Same, same. No, they're all the same for sure. They're all the same. So I think what? it's a good point. I mean, I don't know. It's hard. You look at his numbers, they're incredible. And like yeah. some of these schools are re- like, or actually really good schools. Like Youngstown State is a very solid FCS team. Um, he played great against Texas State. Damn, they beat Texas State. What were they doing? Um, they played McNeese State twice in like a three week span. That's still college football. Um, but like you gotta worry about it, right? Like you're not throwing for six hundred yards. Yeah. Like you're that's why not. that's why I brought like the Vernon Adams thing up. Like, although he was very good, it wasn't what he was doing there. And I think that's expected, right? You're not you're not playing at the FCS level anymore. You're playing big boy football, if you will, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. And two other things I would be very cautious about is one, he doesn't have like, I know Stribling is cool and Donovan Ali is a cool guy. Right. But like, is that like, that's your receiver group you're going into. It's not one that's going to be like, maybe Rucker goes there. Maybe Rucker goes there. Yeah, exactly. Breaking news. It's not one that like makes up for mistakes from a guy. Right. Um, and the second thing that I would worry about is he's not a runner at all. So yeah. like he better be a pat, like he better do well passing, you know, like Malik Willis was a pretty average passer last year, but okay. he ended top 10 because he ran the shit out of it. I need a so moment you of, can't even, you don't even have that moment of confession. Do you know he's not a runner because you've actually watched him or do you know he's not a runner by his stats? Dude, you've run 77 times for 61 yards in college football and FCS. You're not a runner. No, I had a – we talked about Bryce Young last night. Do you know how many rushing yards Bryce Young had last year? Not a lot. The problem with college football is the sacks, right? Right, but do you um, want to take – He, he, he probably had, up at the he end had of less the year. than 100. I'm going to say but, 280. Yards? Yeah. He probably had 120 max. Really? Zero. Yeah, eighty-one carries for zero yards. The sacks eat into that. But yeah, if you look at his stats, you're like, oh, he's he's not a runner, but he can run. Like it could. Yeah, but if be- you're not going to let him run, you're hundred percent right. By the way, great point. But if w- Washington State's not an offense to let their quarterback run, okay, and you have to be like Vernon uh, Adams is a runner, right? And that offense is a running offense at Oregon, yeah. right? Like they want to move their quarterback. Washington State has been like your pocket passer type. And yeah. even if he does run a little bit, like I just they're, they're going to pass so many watch. times. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> That's what I get for, for – Because I, to... I haven't either, so it's, it's all good. But I was looking at his stats actually and like – what concerns me is like he has these great games, and then he has these games where he's like he threw two three picks against McNeese State, and he threw two against Northwestern State. Like I think he just throws it up and whatever. What kind, of, what kind of conference are they in where they're playing the same team twice? All the <laughs> time. Play, they played McNeese State twice. Nichols they play H B you know Houston Baptist twice, Nichols twice. Hmm. I mean, what are they? So I, I, tri- I have trivia for you. Yeah. There are two schools uh, that play 13 games per the schedules right now. I think one is subject to change, um, which will g- give you a hint as to what th- that school will be. 
or which what which one of the schools would be because I think that their schedule ends up get getting shipped around and it probably doesn't end up being a thirteen game schedule. But and there might there might be more, but right I I'm confident that there are two teams that play thirteen games. Uh, Hawaii's got to be one, right? They do the old like oh, yes. you get the bonus game for playing at Hawaii, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I don't know the other one. So you know the other half of that rule, right? Hawaii can do the 13 game thing because they're Hawaii, but any team that does a non conference game that is played at Hawaii can also do it. So hmm. uh, WKU actually has 13 on the books right now. They do, but for us, it's like whatever because they do a week zero. Right. They're, they're, uh, I think they, I think they play week zero. Yeah, they have to. Otherwise, they wouldn't have uh, 13. Do they open at Hawaii week zero? I forget. Uh, but yeah, they have they have thirteen games on their schedule right now. Interesting. Yeah. Cameron yeah. Ward's a tricky beast. Vandy we'll plays what happens, at, but we, what was that? Week zero. It's Vandy at Hawaii. Hmm. But so why? Van- <laughs> I don't know. But Vandy might have thirteen games on the schedule. Completely random. I remember. I, I was, doubt it. SEC's I tweeted. Not do that. I tweeted somebody. The other day, that had said they had stashed. Um, oh, I saw their, this. I saw I, this, and I couldn't help it. Like running back, I wasn't wrong, but it needs, I, I jokingly responded with because he had responded to, to a transfer news about another running back going to Vandy, and I jokingly had said like, "Hey, anytime you can grab a running back and a four RBBC, you know, running back by committee at a team that's going to lose seven, eight games at the very least. You got to do it, right? <laughs> um, and I just couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I just couldn't help it. I don't get many times to joke around, but that was a good one. Yeah, I saw that. I remember you seeing that. I didn't chime in, but I definitely saw that. I you could have favored it. it made me feel better. Did I not? Let's, I have, let's act like you didn't. I have two accounts to manage, so... <laughs> You're really not doing much with the one, so some, some things slip through the cracks now. No. Um last thing I think you wanted to talk about, or I think we need you to elaborate a little bit on is that little thing, <laughs> the thing there behind you that's um a phallus shaped. <laughs> Give me a second here. <laughs> Oh man! This yeah. So, so some context. I went to the Auburn basketball game uh, on Saturday, which awesome experience. Like, I mean, college football is an amazing experience, but when you get a college basketball game that like is actually an important one at a big cool. arena or big team, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, but they handed out these. <laughs> I'm just going to flip it around to make it even worse. I don't know what they were thinking, um, but they gave them away, and I'm not giving rid of them because this this is you, this is gold. Uh, the fun thing about it is, and I told you guys about this, but uh, for the 34 people that follow us, you get to hear this story. Uh, well, 31 because we're three of the followers. Uh I was wearing my home field shirt, my, my Flamingo shirt. And Flamingo, by the way, apparently the whole thing started weeks and weeks ago when I bought the shirt. Andrew, you were like, what is that? Like, why is that a thing? It's a pe- peacock, no? It's a, yeah, right. But like, why is that important? Um, and I said, I have no idea, but it looks cool. So I'm going to buy it, of course, yeah. because I'm a college fan. <laughs> and come to find out, we looked it up. Some beat writer made some comparison to Flamingo not backing down. And, like, you know, the what they call the student section is the jungle at Auburn. And so it fits well, like Flamingo in a jungle, that fits well. So they embraced it. And uh, they did, like, a peacock party T-shirt for all the student section. I was wearing my blue home field one. And the president of the school stopped my father-in-law and was like, because I got him one, too. It was like, where'd you buy that shirt? So, like, I feel like Homefield owes us at least a <laughs> shirt each because the president of Auburn University was asking about it, and I promoted it to him. So, I thought it was pretty interesting. the The peacock shirts they were giving away were pretty lame, to be honest. Just a white one with like this blue basic ass figure, but yeah. So, 
anytime you can anytime you can you know this was going to be a clean podcast but now i gotta give it (laughs) okay my question is was it clean this way and then it became not not clean (laughs) this way (laughs) oh no so now i gotta give the explicit tag yeah you gotta throw the not safe for work on that one yeah oh man that's great well i think that's all we've got for tonight um once again on a monday night we did it next week um i will probably not be able to do next week i'm coming i'm flying back in next monday night from jacksonville so got a big recruiting uh, trip yeah i got a i got a a special guest i'm trying to get on the the pod yeah i'm trying to get trevor lawrence but i may not get him we'll see get urban By the way, what's up with CFB Wordle trying to push the Urban Meyer on us yeah. hard these days? Yeah. Meyer and they're running out of five-letter words is what they're doing. Right. <laughs> I know Andrew doesn't do the CFB version. Maybe doesn't do any other. I don't words. think he does any of them. No, I, yeah. I unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done the today one yet? Because I haven't. Mm, I think it was Urban, wasn't it? That was yesterday. Uh, let me look real quick. Well. We don't need to waste our time doing this, but yeah. No, sure we do. Do you well, guess the same first word every time? Because I do. What is your first word? Gator. <laughs> That's a good one. Because one of these days it's going to be gator, and I'm going to get it on the first. On the I first do. Day. I'm an idiot, and I do like like verbs and stuff. So like, because it's it is never going to be a verb, right? But like, I do punts usually. Oh yeah, throw was one, right? That's true. Yeah, but I I I stick with gator, and it's rarely like like one letter is in it, and that was like okay, well that's waste. But one of these days, it's gonna be the be the word, and I'm gonna have it on the first guess. Looks like a genius, exactly. And I'm gonna share it, and Andrew's gonna not like it. So, but all right, that's all we've got for today. Um, I'm not sure about next week, but. We'll, we'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure out a date. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll figure, figure out. I mean, um, honestly, this one was above average, so it could probably span two weeks. Yeah, of, uh, people of can, relevance. can stew on this one for a couple weeks and yeah. really think about what we said. But uh, that's all we've got. Um, until next week. Until next time. Later, guys.